0: Business network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 60. And please do excuse any background noises. My wife is doing a workout session downstairs. My daughter is next door apparently doing dog yoga with our terrier. It's it's total lockdown mania, but I'm sure we're all used to it by now. Uh, and enough of me because I've got an absolutely fantastic guest in this episode. Martin Perry was born with just one leg and both of his hands missing. He's now a world-class table tennis player and says that his disability is one of the best things that have ever happened to him. Yet despite these extraordinary facts and his hugely charismatic personality, Martin has always seen himself simply as a normal guy, one of four competitive brothers who loved the rough and tumble of sports from an early age. Whether or not you like sports, I think you'll love this episode. Martin's story is funny heartwarming and just really impressive in terms of his sporting achievements and it's only just begun as he trains for the Tokyo Paralympic Games and beyond. I interviewed uh, Martin on the 9th of February 2021. If you enjoy this episode why not subscribe to the series and catch up on previous episodes. Simply search for Scottish Business Network on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music or any of the usual podcast platforms. Martin Perry, great to to meet up with you and I'm wondering where in the world are you because I believe you've been you've been traveling of late.
1: <laughs> yeah I have indeed, I am in a not so sunny Dumbarton at the moment, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty cold and snowy outside but yeah I'm just back from uh, Slovenia, I got back late last night so yeah it was, it was a good trip, successful trip. So a training camp yeah? It was a training camp, yes. Yeah. So it was it was superbly organised. Um, you know, incredibly safe for everyone that was there. We had to, of course, get PCR tests and stuff before we were allowed out of the country, and and you know before we were allowed back, we had an entire hotel to ourselves. You know, which was a very strange experience because oh. usually you go to a hotel and it's you know it's chock full of people from all over the world, but it was literally just. Our team and a select few sparring partners that again had to go through the same rigorous checks as us. So you know it was a very controlled and safe environment, but at the same time, very very strange being in a hotel and uh, just just no one else there. It was like a ghost town. It was it was incredible. Why why Slovenia? We've got really good connections with Slovenia and the GB Parity within his team, so our performance director is Slovenian himself, um, and also the it's it, it is one of the Central European hubs for para table tennis. You know, every year we have, well, every year that we're able to run it, we have uh, the Slovenian Open, and it is it's arguably the biggest para table tennis event outside of a major championships. Um, it's always incredibly well attended. It has great facilities in Slovenia for where we have the competition. You know, the hotel is fantastic, the playing venues fantastic, and it's just one of those things that we try and utilise that as much as possible. And you know, it, it just gets us it gets us away from the sort of day to day training that we usually do in Sheffield because sometimes you know, even though we're in a fantastic world class facility. You know what it's like. If you're doing the same things every day, you can become complacent without realising it. So we we always try to get on the move a little bit and Slovenia is one of those places that we go to. While we're on this sort of theme of, you know,
0: how odd it is travelling and and staying in hotels at the moment, we're coming up to the first anniversary of the the original COVID-19 lockdown. So how has this year been for you? And obviously it's been very disruptive in terms of your preparation for
1: the the Tokyo Games. Yeah, it's been... uh... It's it's been all over the place, to be honest. You know, it's it's one of those things that it's just, it's the same for everyone. You know, it's it's constantly changing, and everything's trying to adapt and, and and sort of move on as best as possible. But yeah, it was it was very difficult in the beginning. You know, the 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 qualification for Tokyo got cut short by about three competitions, and then there was supposed to be a world qualification tournament uh, last May that obviously didn't go ahead. Uh, which was the final, the final sort of hurdle in terms of those the athletes that hadn't qualified. So it was the first ever World Qualification Tournament for a Paralympic Games, and it was basically a winner takes all. It was one one person per classification per country uh, mm. you got to represent, and if you won your event, you got. It was almost like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. You got to mm. to go to the Paralympic Games. So that's now been rescheduled for hopefully. Um, everything going well April this year um, you know we've not heard anything they say no news is good news so um, we've not heard anything otherwise so yeah we're hoping that we can still do the world qualification tournament in April which um, I've got I've got selected for, for for GB so you know hopefully I can go out there and do the business and seal my spot at Tokyo but yeah it was it was incredibly difficult because obviously I knew early on in 2020 that I'm training to you know still qualifying and, and try and get peak performance in order to get me over the line. And my teammates that have qualified, they are still trying to work incredibly hard to perform at the Paralympic Games. And then we couldn't train for four months and we're a skilled sport, you know. So mm. it's uh, it's incredibly difficult being a skilled sport and not being able to practice those skills. You know, it's, it's definitely easier if you're a power sport. Um, but it was, yeah, it was incredibly difficult for us. And it just, you know, I won't lie. I, I felt a bit sorry for myself because... Price. All, all, all I've done for the last, you know, five six years is, is hit a little white ball around the table and, <laughs> and and hopefully do it to the best of my abilities. And then I couldn't do that for you know four months, and I was I was a bit at a loss, um, you know, and I, I had all this energy that just had nowhere to go because I had nowhere to go, and uh, it was difficult. It, it, it was difficult, but you know we we rallied together really well as a team. You know, one of our uh, one one of our sort of team. Mantras is that we're a family, you know. Uh, so I was on the phone to the to the squad and you know the, the coaching staff and the support staff and and we all sort of came together and and you know realized that you know it doesn't matter if you've qualified, doesn't matter if you've not qualified, if you're reigning Paralympic champion or if it's going to be your first Paralympic Games, we're all in the same situation, you know. So it it, it generated a lot of um, communication between us internally as a team just to sort of stay together and keep that morale high because we had no idea when we'd be able to see each other again let alone train mm. uh, and and yeah that was it was tough but we, we got through it really well you know we did um, at least sort of three video calls a week where we'd do uh, sort of team workouts and, and it was quite good because obviously we just see each other at training and uh, so we got, like, uh, an insight into everyone's houses and stuff. It was quite <laughs> cool. So, so yeah, and then we'd, we'd do, like, um, we did, like, a Friday coffee session. So on a Friday, we'd sit down and all of our coffee together virtually. Mm. And uh, it, was, it was it was the little things that got us through it, you know, because mm. we are used to, you know, training five hours a day, going to the gym, doing everything as a team. You know, when we're not training, we're out for coffees or, or meals or whatever it may be, or, or on a plane together, you know, and you, you spend so much time with – with your teammates that when when that's gone you know it is, it is a big loss so we kept in contact really well and that that pulled us through together as a team and then when we finally got the green light to to go back to training it was like kids at christmas you know it was like we'd never played the sport before we were just so happy to get stuck in and oh it's fantastic it really was wow well, talking of, of family, let's kind of go back
0: and, and explore your, your roots, Martin, as well. So, I mean, you're from Paisley. You grew up the youngest of four brothers and you had to contend with a congenital condition that meant you were born with no hands and only one leg. So how did the experience of of that childhood shape the Martin Perry that I'm speaking to today? And what, what
1: qualities do you think you inherited from your parents? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things that I've never... I think credit to my family, you know, my parents and my, my three brothers, I've, I've never been allowed to feel sorry for myself. I've never been allowed to have any sort of self pity or, or worry because they just treated me like everyone else in the family, you know, and, and that, I'm so grateful for that because it's, you know, it's, it's made me obviously who I am today. And, you know, I I believe that my disability is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's, it's taken me all right. over the world and yeah. I've met incredible people and done incredible things. And I, I doubt I would have come close to doing half the stuff that I've had the privilege of doing if I was born able-bodied, you know, so for me to be, right. To be doing what I'm doing with no hands and one leg like I'm so thankful for that like it's the best thing ever it really is um, but yeah my brothers were well it was just it was, it was four young boys growing up in the west of Scotland it was carnage <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, yeah I mean it was just there was obviously a lot of energy in that household you know and there's um, there's an age gap between us all as well like between myself and my oldest brother there's nine years and then obviously I've got two other brothers in between that so you know there's there's a lot of different ages going on there and a lot of different sort of de- developmental stages as, as young boys going through sort of childhood and stuff together. But I think that helped me that my brothers were a little bit older because obviously they were incredibly protective of me. And, um, you know, if anyone was going to bully me, it was going to be them. It wasn't ever going to be anyone else. But that's just <laughs> family life, is it not? <laughs> so, um yeah, they were great. They Everything that they did, I did. Um, and Um And that wasn't... Because I would disabled, well, that was just because I was their brother, and you know, they they treated me just like anyone else. Um, if anything, they tried to use my disability for them to get an advantage. You know, we played football, <laughs> <laughs> we'd play football, and and they would chuck me in goals, thinking, well, he's not going to save it, so I'll I'll get an extra goal. And it, that just it, that shaped me and bringing right. out this determination and focus as a young child. You know, I didn't obviously at, at such a young age. I never, you know, you don't even consider a career. You don't even know what a job is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that definitely shaped the competitive edge in me because my brothers would try and beat me and as I said they would try and use my disability against me but only because they loved me and cared about me and by loving me and caring about me they just wanted to make sure they were better than me at everything they do but that's <laughs> that's what brothers do that's what family is so, um, so yeah, so it was it was definitely fun growing up, and we had a lot of energy running around, you know, doing everything together, and it just made me normal, I guess. You know, I never, yeah. I never had a disability; I just didn't have hands. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, sure, it does, and, and I mean, clearly, you're like really into sports, uh, you know, growing up. So, you know, why table tennis? It seems a bit of a left field option. Well, I still
1: don't even know. I've no idea. <laughs> The um, my, my first experience of table tennis uh, was at a Scottish Disability Sports summer camp and uh, Drum Chapel Table Tennis Club were there and do you know what I just had so much fun like it was it was just fun like I was I think I was 16 17 years old at the time and obviously I, I, mean, I played almost everything um, you know football rugby I even tried hockey um, you know badminton everything like basketball any sport I'd done it i had never played table tennis didn't right. even know it was a thing and then on this summer camp on one of the days table tennis was there and I'm looking at everyone playing and everyone smiling and I mean if you've played table tennis yourself you, you can't yeah. not smile it's just so cool. much fun and that that got me hooked you know that got me hooked instantly the fact that I was I mean don't get me wrong I was absolutely dreadful um, trying to hold this bat between my, my two sort of little arms and, and getting absolutely nowhere but I was still enjoying myself and you know before the guys at Drum Chapel Table Tennis Club even knew me they already made me feel so welcome because they didn't care that I had no hands they were just like just just get the ball back like just hit it mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know they didn't really care about anything else and, and that made me feel so at ease with the sport instantly because you know, obviously, it's 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 a sport that you would probably recommend having hands for, um, and 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 they just didn't care; they just wanted me to play because it's such a small community in the UK anyway, table tennis. But right, yeah. as, soon, as soon as anyone wants to play, you're like yeah, absolutely, let's do it. Um, so it so it was great. So, so yeah, well, what got what got me hooked was just that it was so fun, and then, you know, you 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 go to. These amazing events that the UK can host, like London 2012 and Glasgow 2014, and all of a sudden table tennis is really cool and it captivates people and there's a big audience and you're filling out arenas and I was like, yeah, hold on a minute, this is actually uh, <laughs> this is quite cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do this and then, you know, long story short, you 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 put your head down and a lot of things come together, as they say. Well, it must have been, you know, obviously.
0: Uh, You've found it difficult at first, but there's clearly a lot of natural talent there as well, and a lot of hard work. So, how did you get, go from the, that initial sort of just enjoying it to becoming a,
1: you know, world class table tennis player? I mean, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's 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 hard work. I don't know so much about natural talent. Um, I'm still yet to find that, but it's just it's the it's, it's the hard work for me. It's is something that I love doing. You know, it's if you look at table tennis on paper, I just shouldn't be playing it. You know that's that's a fact. I just shouldn't be, um, and I think that makes me desire it even more. The fact that right. I shouldn't be playing at the level I'm playing at, um, and so that always made me work hard. But then I, I go to London 2012 as a spectator, and I see Paralympics GB win two bronze medals. You know, and they had the Excel Arena eaten out of their hands. You know, mm-hmm. these these disabled athletes were superhuman, and you know you, you've got. a, a Thousands and thousands of people just screaming their names, and and I was like, these 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 people are just like me. I I, I want to do mm. that, and uh, I got home, and I, you know I went to the drum as we call it, and uh, and and I just I just put my head down, and everything that I wanted to do was revolving around table tennis. Um, it ca- came at the cost of my education, even early on. I was I was skipping uni lectures just to go to training. Um, <laughs> But I just knew that's that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, it was just it was after seeing London in person and and just being as determined as I am. I think you know through my upbringing and and obviously just wanting to show that I can do absolutely anything. I, I just I couldn't let table tennis not be a part of my life. And right. you know when you get when you get fortunate enough to to display that hard work in front of the right people, like the. GB parity within his coaches. I got invited to a few sort of developmental camps, and um, it was one of those things that I remember one of the coaches telling me is like, "I've not invited you back to the next one because of your talent. I've invited you back because how hard you work." And I think a nice. lot of people in this room can learn that um, from watching you. And I was like, "I don't know what to what to say about that. You've just you, you've pretty much just called me rubbish, but I work. I'm I'm good at working at it." <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so it was one of those things that I've I've always taken pride in in, in working hard, and um, you know it's it's with, with it being a skill sport, if you put in the work to to learn those intricacies and learn those skills, you yeah. know it's it's not long before it all sort of adds up and works in your favour, and to be to be competing all over the world, um, you know if you would said that to me after after London 2012, I would have thought you were crazy. Uh, but you know, within within three years of of being at London as a spectator, I was I was full time at the National Centre, um, and another two years after that, I was a fully funded athlete, and that's that's just crazy.
0: Wow, uh, I can certainly see the attraction of table as well. I was a, a keen player in my youth, but this is this is I remember going to see Desmond Douglas. This is way before oh, what your time.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, but everyone everyone knows Des.
0: He's he was a fantastic player. <laughs> Yeah, I remember being very excited about that. So, talking about your kind of dedication, I believe that you practice playing table tennis for up to five hours a day. And so maybe you have, sound like a dark question, but doesn't that become a bit boring? I mean, how do you keep yourself motivated? And and do you find that you know the repetitive nature of the the game means that you are kind of
1: quite prone to injuries? Well, thankfully, we have a, a fantastic. Um, support staff around us you know it's not just table tennis athletes and table tennis coaches that we work with you know we work with fantastic strength and conditioning coaches you know sports psychologists nutritionists physiotherapists everything that you know an elite sports person needs we have access to at the English Institute of Sport in Sheffield which is where I train full-time when I'm not at Drumchapel, and it's um yeah, it was obviously a worry for me in the beginning, and it's something that when you come into the program, you don't go from. You know, I was training two days a week to, um, you know, two hours, two hours on a Tuesday, two hours on a Thursday, to then going right, you're doing five hours a day Monday to Friday. Um, so naturally, things are going to break down. So you know we have this sort of tapering in system where, you know, when you're part of the program, you're not just chucked in at the deep end. You're you're slowly sort of exposed to more and more training because obviously the intensity incredible it's something that you don't get at club level table tennis it's um you know you're there in the national center with paralympic champions world champions european champions um you know so the intensity is naturally very high but you know you get you you get a sort of breaking in -in period where you slowly get drip fed more and more sessions you know you, you do the right strength and conditioning work in the gym that prepares your body for the training that we're gonna do and you know, you talk to the athletes that are around you that have been there and done it and they, you know, they guide you through it and give you help and advice and, you know, it's it's one of those things that if you just jump into it, you can hurt yourself. Um but you know we've we've got a great setup down in Sheffield that really supports the athlete and it's athlete focused. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, we're not just full time athletes, we're full time athletes that have you know, weird and wonderful disabilities that also need to be accounted for. But you know, if we, when you talk about it, can be boring or, or or things like that. You know, doing the same thing over and over and over again. I think for us, it's it, it's not boring because we're chasing that perfection. You know, we're chasing the perfect shot or the perfect technique, and and you're you're never going to get it because who 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 decides what a perfect shot is? But um, you know, we're we're ultimately chasing something that's bigger than ourselves, which is obviously the Paralympic Games. And, you know, we've got 16 members in the squad full time. And obviously we all want to be world number one in our respective classes. You know, so that that brings a lot of hunger, a lot of desire. Um, and then you times that by 16 and there's a lot of energy and a lot of team morale in that hall that, that when things do get tough, or maybe a session does get boring. You look around you and you're not short of inspiration. You're like, you know, what, what have I got to complain about? Let's let's get the head down and keep going. The second half
0: of the interview continues in a few seconds after this. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www.allancoms.co.uk That's Allen with two L's and an E and comms with two m's we're speaking uh, a couple of days after a a famous scottish victory at twickenham in the in the rugby and there's been quite a lot of talk about the the mindset of the scotland squad so you're talking martin about how you worked really hard at, at table tennis and you say there's no natural talent. I don't believe that. You must have extremely good hand-to-eye coordination, all that kind of stuff. But um, what about the sort of the mental side of it? It strikes me as a game where having that confidence and positive attitude is really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's, it's a game that revolves massively around confidence and momentum, you know, especially when you're playing at the, the, the top level. Everyone can almost beat everyone um so it does come down to that mental side of things and you know it's momentum in a match but it's also you know confidence like you said but that's something that we work on we we work with you know top sports psychologists um you know every day if we wanted to you know so it's it's one of those things that each athlete gets to tap into you know whenever they like um and 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 we work with sports psychologists in order to develop you know Systems that work for us, and understand how we play and how we train, and and what brings you know peak performance for us, and it's it's something that you know we as a team are, are very big advocates for is the use of sports psychology because I think still to this day there's a little bit of a stigma around psychology and and sports psychology. You know, it's almost like mm. if you're working with a psychologist, something must be wrong. But that's uh, <laughs> that's not the case. You know, it's it's for us, it's all about understanding. You know what makes me tick when I'm on a table tennis court. You know what what makes Ooh. what makes me get peak performance, and that's something that you know is obviously very personal, and I can't I can't be sharing every secret, surely. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's something that you know we we all work incredibly close with uh, with the psychologists and the sports staff in order to to try and get peak performance as often as possible. You're just back
0: from Slovenia. Usually based uh, down in Sheffield, as you say but your wife is back in Scotland where you are now how how do you manage that kind of long
1: distance relationship around you all your sporting commitments you know what Siobhan is absolutely fantastic um she she completely understands what i'm chasing and, and what i'm trying to do and, and what i'm trying to achieve and she's so supportive but don't get me wrong when i'm when i'm down in sheffield it's uh, it's tough because you know we've got a lovely flat um that I'm grateful to be in at the moment in Dumbarton, because obviously I've got a few days off after uh, the Slovenia camp. But yeah, when when we're down in Sheffield, it's you know it's, it's obviously it's video chats at night um, when I've got the energy because I'm I'm usually quite tired. I want to go to my bed quite early, um, and and Siobhan obviously works herself, so it's um, it's tough. Uh, and obviously when when travel restrictions weren't a thing, uh, it was it was sort of flying visits at the weekend um you know i i would i would come home on a friday cuz due to our sort of training timetable i could sort of just about rock up to the house when Siobhan was roughly finishing work so we'd have like friday saturday together and then i could go back down on a sunday but now that obviously travel is very very limited mm. uh you know we 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 don't see each other for weeks at a time uh and it is difficult of course it is but it's, it's it's one of those things that, you know, she she's been supportive since day one and you know, she she understands that it's it means so much to me. You know, it's my life, it's it's also mm-hmm. my job, but it's 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 more than that to me. You know, it's um mm-hmm. it's almost hard to describe what what table tennis and what the Paralympics mean to me, but she's um she's she's great with it and she understands and um I mean she's done not bad out of it. Siobhan tends to to rock up the last day of a tournament. Um, and and manages to wangle a little holiday out of it. So so yeah. So I mean, she, she's not complaining either. <laughs> right. So there are some
0: upsides to it. From, from absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, now you, you mentioned
0: the um, obviously your your big goal is to represent Britain at the next Paralympic Games in in Tokyo. And we've touched on on how it's been frustrating. You don't really know what's going on. What
1: how hopeful at the moment are you that the, the rearranged games will take place later this year? I mean as, as as far as we're aware and what we've been told, you know, the games are going ahead. So that's how we prepare. We prepare like the games are going ahead. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things that there's there's whispers and things and, and reports of other results, but um we, we can't listen to that. You know, we 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 can't engage with those sort of conversations, you know, if if we look at the official channels, um then, as it stands, the games are going ahead. So that's 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 our aim. That's what we're working towards, and that's you know where all our focus is. That is that you know the Paralympics in Tokyo will go ahead, and GB will be there. Great.
0: I was quite surprised, Martin, when I was sort of reading up about you in advance. You have to raise your own money to, to finance the trip. Um,
1: a little bit. Um, it's so basically our our funding gets uh, determined by. What major medals you win, um, right. so to say that I need to raise the funds myself uh, wouldn't be entirely true. It's um, so our funding gets, as I said, it, it, you know, it, it gets decided on what major championships you've already won, um, which for me is is the European Championships. I've I've won the team event in that with my teammates David Weatherham and Paul Caravadac, and it's um, it's something that you know we. We obviously are very proud of, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, bring the the sort of you know the financial stability that we would like. You know, so we um, we earn individually fourteen thousand pounds per year um, through what's called an EPA, which is an athlete performance award. It's something that we're of course incredibly grateful for. Uh, it you know it helps us to to live and train as full time athletes, but you know we obviously need to seek um private sponsorship and and help wherever possible you know to to make it um you know just just enough to to get by but you know it's it's one of those things that you know if i was if i was doing this for the money i'm in the wrong sport that's for sure <laughs> but you know i it's it, i love this this sport so much and you know it it has changed my life so it's just one of those things that it's part and parcel that i've always been very fortunate with private sponsors uh, you know, people have always been great in supporting me, and I'm I'm forever grateful for that. You know, and and hopefully, if I can, if I can get to the Paralympic Games and and you know do my best performance, whatever that may be, then you know hopefully that's just one small step in 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 repaying the people that have supported me since the very beginning. Great, and as part of
0: your sort of wider um, career sort of development, I guess uh, and. Presumably, a, a bit of a source of revenue is that that you work as a motivational speaker. I can I can well see how you'd be really good at that. So, how how did you get into that, and and what can you offer audiences who might be interested in in hearing from you?
1: It was just obviously, you know, you you start going to as you get older and your your taste for life develops, as it were. You know, you start going to to events and and meeting people. And um, and you get chatting, and then before you know it, you've got great relationships with uh, with people, and and for some reason they decide that they want to hear what life was like growing up with no hands and, and only one leg, and you know as a as a child our financial standpoint uh, wasn't great, you know, and I think that definitely shaped me to be to be who I am today as well, and it's something that you know I I, I don't consider myself an inspiration you know uh, but it's one of those things that I do look at my disability and I understand why obviously so many people can can hopefully take something from from hearing a little bit about my life and getting to know me a little bit better because you know it's it's been it has just been life for me you know I'm very fortunate that I've not went through any sort of accident or injury or, or had some you know debilitating illness it's something that I've just Got on with and just just you know it's just been me, um, but I do understand that obviously that's something that you know is is incredibly difficult for a lot of people, and you know when I do my after dinner speaking or you know talking to to corporate businesses via video chat these days, um, it's something that you know I just hope that at least one person at every event is able to take some form of inspiration or motivation from from the talk that I'm able to deliver because, you know, I, as I said earlier, I don't think I'll ever be able to repay everyone that's ever supported me. But if I can do my best to, to try and do that whenever I get the opportunity to to help someone else in return, then, you know, I've I've, I've got to do it. I should also say that I'm kind of feeling the heat here because I'm speaking to a fellow
0: podcaster. You've got your own series called The pods uh, So tell us a bit about that, Martin, and what people can – Expect to hear if they listen to a, an episode. Being
1: an athlete, you, you you know you meet incredible athletes along the way, don't you? And you know I I want to share their stories because I think they're incredible. So I try and share as many athlete stories as as I can uh, on Peripod, and you know there's some great conversations that have come out of there. Um, you know, and it's just it's so inspiring for me to hear the stories of other athletes because there, there seems to be a, a, a general consensus that as a para-athlete your story is a bit boring but when other people listen to it they find it really cool and interesting you know and it's always the same like as I said about myself I don't think my story is anything special but you know I'm, I'm often told that it is and it's the same when I when I speak to people on Peripod you know they they obviously play down their own story as well, and I'm I'm usually just left gawping at the screen, um, you know, for Ooh. the incredible feats that these these incredible people have achieved, and um, it's sort of it, it's 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 fantastic, you know. I've I've had world champions on there, Paralympic champions, um, and I've had people that have just been champions at, at life, you know, that have just gone on and done incredible things. Uh, with sport in mind but not necessarily the the Paralympic Games or anything like that and uh, it's just it's incredible for me to to share these these wonderful stories because it gives me a lot of motivation and inspiration as an athlete and you know from a selfish point of view I I want to be inspired to train harder and and, and go and work you know as hard as I can every day so if I can use the podcast for myself then it's, it's a win for me hopefully on the table
0: <laughs> yeah I can certainly relate to that Martin the the big focus is on Tokyo I and mean, you must everything must be uh aimed towards that now in terms of all your plans and everything but what, what about beyond that have you got sort of further ambitions in in the sport but in or in life generally that you could
1: tell us about absolutely you know for me table tennis doesn't stop after Tokyo, you know, we know that the next Paralympic Games is going to be Paris 2024. We know the next Paralympic Games after that is going to be LA 2028. And that those are just the next targets. You know, it's, um, we, you know, we, we always look at the Paralympic Games as being the pinnacle of sport. But it's one of those things that once you reach the pinnacle, you want to reach it again, you know, and you want to keep mm. going. So for me, I, you know, I, I want to keep playing and training as hard as I can and, and, and winning medals all over the world. And, you know, that, that takes me at least another seven years. Um, and the reason it stops at early 2028 is because they've not announced what's going to be in 2032. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I just, it's, it's one of those things that I can't see my life not being in table tennis because it's done incredible things for me. It really has changed my life. And when my, sporting career eventually does come to an end because sadly I've been told by too many people that it must come to an end at some point <laughs> um I've been told that many times that I think they might be right um you know it's, it's just it's one of those things that I I'm assuming that I'm going to be involved in sports somewhere or another but I would also love to you know continue with my my own sort of media work in terms of the podcast and things like that and hopefully branch out a little bit more uh, into into other sports and, and things like that, you know, maybe maybe a commentator one day. That would be ah, that would be yeah. pretty cool. I well, would love yeah, that. Good. Um, yeah. I think it's just because I love the cinema own voice. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's just I you know sport for me is as life, and um, it just wouldn't be as fun without sport in it. So I uh, I think I'll definitely begin down that avenue when when the time comes.
0: Well, recently had uh, Alison Walker on the uh, podcast as well, who's uh, commentated on seven Olympic games. So there you go. There's another another record you could chase when the playing days are over there. Um, we're going to finish with some quick fire questions here, Martin. So brace yourself. You ready? Uh, I think so. <laughs> okay. Who's your hero? Uh, my wife. Ah, well, that's that's a good one, especially as you're back there at the moment. You've got to play your cards right. Right to say that she's listening next door. <laughs> right. Uh, what? Well, a, a very domestic uh, question coming up next. What's for dinner tonight? We are gonna have uh, like a Greek salad. Nice, very nice. A bit cold for that, if you ask me, but very tasty, nonetheless. <laughs> I've been um, eating
1: buffet food in a hotel for <laughs> the last ten days. It's gonna be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last film you watched uh, Moneyball Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill Good Yeah, great film, absolutely love it Tell us a secret Oh um, It's difficult I'm such an open and honest guy as it is <laughs> something, something that you wouldn't know Um A secret I don't know I don't know <laughs>
0: No secrets, as well. That's that's very impressive. And finally, uh,
1: your favourite place in the world? Oh, this is this is split between two places that I love. Uh, Tokyo has to be one of the most incredible places that I've been, uh, and Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. It's where me and Siobhan got engaged it's where we've had a lot of fun on incredible roller coasters and yeah and Tokyo is just one of the coolest cities that I've ever been to, it's like nowhere else in the world.
0: Well hopefully you'll be seeing it very soon again That's the plan. Ma- Martin Perry it's been it's been really great speaking to you, such uh, an interesting story uh, I know you don't think it's interesting but it is, <laughs> I'm sure everyone who's been listening will think the same so thank you very much No, oh, Thank you for having me Brilliant, eh? What a fascinating man. And we wish Martin all the very best in terms of Tokyo and everything else. And thanks for listening. We'll be back again in two weeks. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.